Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to talk about consistency. Consistency, like the consistency of... Not like the consistency of batter, Laura. <laughs> okay, because I was thinking pancakes. No. I really was thinking no. pancakes. We're going to talk about how important it is to be consistent in training. Okay. And I think that most people know that sort of as a concept. Oh, yeah, you need to be consistent. But I don't know that they know the specifics of why or how it affects your dog when you're not consistent. And that it means all the time, not just 50% of the time. Right. Because, because then that wouldn't be consistent. That's right. <laughs> you know what? That's that, as funny as that sounds. It's a really good point. Yeah. Then you're not consistent. If right. you're only consistent some of the time, then you're not consistent. Yeah. Like I don't want my dog to jump on me, but I I don't mind it when I come home and he's excited. Right. He's excited to see me, so I let him jump on me then. And you really can't be pretty good at consistency. You have to be good at consistency. It's all or nothing. Or not. Yeah. It's kind of it's a like black and white yes or no thing. Am I consistent? And. I would say that's the biggest stopgap to training or to achieving your goals is lack of consistency. When people lack consistency in their training, that's when they're most likely going to not achieve the results they're looking for. Right. And you know what I find leads to inconsistency is that the people themselves don't have a clear picture in their mind of the behavior they want. They go through life going, I don't want him to do this, I don't want him to do this, I don't want him to do this, but they don't know what they want the dog to do. Because when you ask them, you say, well, what do you want him to do? I just want him to not do this. Well, it makes it hard to be consistent. And if you're not consistent, it's like playing the, the hot and cold game. Mm-hmm. And you're just always in lukewarm. You're never telling the dog when he's getting hot or when he's getting harder and when he's blazing hot and he's got it right. If you don't have a picture in your mind of the behavior you want and what you want that behavior to look like, there's absolutely no way the dog is going to know. Right. Clearly defining what it is that you're looking for is is one of the most important parts of consistency. I agree with you. And because people don't clearly define it, because they sort of have an idea, as you said, either of what they don't want to see or they'll have a very general idea of what they want to see. But maybe the dog will do that, but in a way that they don't like. Right, and they don't take that as part of what they do want. They've never been real clear about that in their head, so they're making up their mind on the fly, in the moment. And sometimes what you don't realize is that you're making up your mind on the fly or in the moment, and your dog has been expected to understand this prior to his behaving this way, but yet you didn't even understand it. Yeah. Because now you're... You're trying to make a decision. What is it? How is it I feel about this? In the moment, and then by then you're too late. By the time you make that decision, you're too late, whether it's too late to say, no, that's actually not what I wanted, or yes, that is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons that consistency is so important is because consistency is the key to setting your dog up for success. Mm-hmm. If you're not consistent, then you're always telling the dog, well, it's okay today, it's not okay tomorrow, I don't know... And you have to remember something, and I think maybe this is one of the reasons that people aren't consistent. They don't realize that your dog, because he does a behavior that you want to see or because he doesn't do something that you don't want to see, that doesn't mean that he's adopted your sensibilities. 
your dog not going to the bathroom in your house does not mean that he's decided, oh, you shouldn't go to the bathroom in the house because that's unsanitary. He's simply decided that's the rule here and we don't do that here. And there is a place to go. Right. There is a place where we want to. It doesn't mean that if you were to teach him to talk and have him talk about it, he would say, oh, I hate it when when you go to the bathroom in the house. It's not that they accept our sensibilities or that they that they adopt our sensibilities. So whenever your dog, you're teaching your dog a behavior or your dog learns something that you want him to learn, he's sort of taking it on faith that you're right about this. So if you're inconsistent, it's really difficult for him to grasp what it is you want because it never applied to his personal view of the world anyway. Right. You know, when I talk to clients about this, there, there's so much that is going on at any one moment that the dog has got to figure out what the one common denominator is in any given situation that is what you want. You have to do it enough times and you have to be consistent enough in pointing out this is what I want. This is what works. It's kind of like, you know, in school when you did math, when you had math class, and I don't know if it was geometry or what, but you had the two little circles, and then the two little circles overlapped, and there was one little thing in that little part where they overlapped that was the common denominator. Mm-hmm. That's you. That's were, you what, have a good memory. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's just okay, anyway. I'm sorry, but it yeah. was it was the common denominator. Yes. And that's what pointed out to you what the one thing in these that these two circles had in common. And so you have got to point it out to the dog enough times that he goes, oh, that's what it is. Because here's an example. We were doing a seminar with somebody once, and he was talking about how he was at a working trial, and, you know, they, they have the little pop gun, whatever it is, the starter gun that they use to to test a dog for bravery or whatever it is. This is over in Europe. And this dog, it startled him. And so from that point on, and of course everybody, every person knew that it was the the starter pistol Mm -hmm. that the dog went off on, that, that scared the dog and frightened the dog. But the dog looked around at that moment in time and saw somebody standing there with a clipboard. So the people are thinking, well, the dog is freaking out around people when they don't even have a starter pistol. Well, guess what? The dog didn't know that it was a starter pistol. When the dog heard the sound and looked up, somebody was standing there with a clipboard. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't happen enough times that the dog went, oh, it's not the clipboard, it's this thing. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know. There was so much other stuff going on that the first thing that caught his eye was what told him what he thought that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So how so are you attaching that to consistency? Well, because well, because if if they had shown the dog the pistol and you know made it go off a bunch of times, then the dog would, would have go, associated would, it would, with what it was. Exactly. So it's an association thing, and that's what consistency is. You have to be consistent in associating one thing with another thing for a dog to go, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I kind of took the roundabout route about that. No, I just wanted to tie it, it back in. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, I think that sometimes the reason that people aren't consistent is because then it puts the it puts the responsibility or the onus on them to change instead of on the dog. Right. So if I am not consistent and my dog doesn't get it, I can say, well, the dog doesn't get it. He's he's doing it wrong. Right. And I don't really have a reason to change. It's the dog. The dog needs to change. When you accept that with your dog's behavior is a byproduct of what you do, 
it makes it a lot easier to become consistent because then you see, of course, he's going to slide back into the old behavior when I do. Of course. Right. It's me. I need to change. I'm the one who has to send messages that are clear for my dog. And I have to change what I'm doing so that I can get that message to my dog. And then I have to do it over and over the same way, just what you were saying. I have to do it over and over the same way. I have to be consistent. Or he's not going to get the message. Yeah, he's not going to pick out the one common denominator, like Mm -hmm. sitting at the door. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways to achieve consistency in training is to understand that you cannot be training 24-7. And so you have to have strategies for management and for creating a picture that you want the dog to see when you can't be working with the dog. Explain that. Well, let's say I'm teaching the dog not to jump up. Mm -hmm. Okay? I'm teaching him not to jump up on people. And I've worked with him and I've and I've, you know, set aside my fifteen minutes and I've worked with him on jumping up and I've followed through on the protocol. Okay. And then I decide, okay, now I actually need to get busy. I have a job mm-hmm. and I need to get busy. And this dog may come into contact with people while I'm gone. So I'm gonna have to manage that. Right. I'm gonna have to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. Or I'm going to have to make sure that the people he does come in contact with are behaving the same way that I am. Right. Are following through with the protocol. Because otherwise, or, and I have to be sure that when I come home, I'm not too busy to recognize that he's probably going to jump up on me. And I'm going to either need to make sure that he doesn't have the opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. until I'm ready for him, or I need to be prepared prior to meeting up with him. So you're being consistent in your expectations of, of him. And you're being consistent in your follow-through. Mostly, I think you're being consistent. You're setting it up so you can be consistent with your follow-through. Yes. Because a lot of times people who are working up with uh, working on a dog who jumps up on them mm-hmm. works for their 15 minutes or their 20 minutes on the protocol, mm-hmm. right? And then they go on about their business, and then they leave the dog during the day because they have to go to work. And then they come home, and they dog greets them at the door, and the dog jumps on them 10 times. And they've got their hands full of stuff because they didn't plan this enough. Yeah. They didn't plan this. They didn't think about, how am I going to get through the door without allowing the dog to jump on me? That's right. Or they had a dog sitter come in, but they never told the dog sitter or the dog walker, listen, this is what we're working on. Here's the protocol, and here's how you follow through, and here's what you can't do, and here's what you can do. So the dog continuously sees the same picture. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, what the dog learns is, well, for the 15 or 20 minutes when he's training, I've got to do this. Yes. And then the rest of the time is just normal, regular stuff. That you don't end up with a dog walker that's in such a hurry that he's just going to put the dog on a leash regardless of the dog's behavior and take the dog for the walk because the dog only has half an hour. Right. And so you have to make sure that, okay, if you have to spend five or ten minutes of my half an hour walk getting my dog not to jump before you put him on a leash and take him out, then that's what I want you to do. In fact, if you have to spend 20 minutes of my 30 minutes getting that dog not to jump, then just get him outside to go to the bathroom. Sometimes some of those other things have to go by the wayside for a while while Mm -hmm. you get a behavior trained. That's what being consistent is about. That's that's the sacrifice that you have to make. And maybe that's why consistency is difficult. Right. Because it requires that you sacrifice. It requires that you think about things ahead of time. It requires that you put in management uh, tools. It requires that you make sure that everybody's on the same page. If you're in a family, you know, a family of four, and two people let the dog jump up and two people don't, 
And not only that, but two people reward the dog for jumping up yeah. and two people don't. The likelihood that you're actually going to teach that dog about jumping up and really get a dog that's solid isn't great. Now you have to check, you have to adjust a few things. You either have to adjust getting everybody on the same page, mm-hmm. which is the best thing to do. Yeah. You have to adjust your ex- expectations. But whatever it is, you have to recognize, I don't have consistency here. Yeah. And it's not the dog's fault. It's not the dog's fault that he is doing this and that he doesn't get it because, and not only that, but especially if the person is reinforcing him, he's going to be more likely to jump up on you. It's funny how they tend to go the way that we don't want them to go with these behaviors. Mm -hmm. When half of the family is not wanting him to jump up and half of the family either isn't caring or is encouraging, he's going to do the jumping up part. He's never going to go to the other side. Right. And that's because the jumping up is more reinforcing. Right. It's more rewarding for him, whereas the not jumping up, we ignore it. And he might even learn not to jump on you, but the likelihood that he's going to learn to not jump on strangers right. is not as great because right. he has 50% of you saying don't do it, 50% mm-hmm. of you saying do it, and then the unknown people, well, he's going to do what's most reinforcing. Right. Until they tell him otherwise. Right. And not only that, but, you know, jumping up doesn't just have to do with when you're standing up. If you're sitting in a chair or on the couch and your dog comes up and puts his his feet in your lap, guess what? He's jumping up. That's right. So you standing up and not allowing him to put his feet on you, you know, you're getting mad at him for that. But then you sit in a chair and it's okay if he puts his feet up on you. Imagine the confusion there. His feet are on you. That's right. That's a lack of consistency. Maybe one that you don't recognize. Yeah. But it is a lack of consistency, and it's something that will cause confusion for your dog. It sets the dog up to fail. That's the bad part. But it sets the dog up to fail because he doesn't get it. Because he's not being set up to understand. And he thinks we're fickle. He thinks that we... Gosh darn it, would you just make up your mind? Am I allowed or am I not allowed? Well, not only that, it's it's as if... He might start picking up on patterns. Okay, wait a minute. Um, when the sky is blue, <laughs> they love you. Yeah. It, there's, it's, it, you never know what kind of patterns the dog is going to attach this to because of the lack of consistency. You don't know what he's going to pick up and say, right. here's the determining factor It comes here. back to that common denominator. It's yes. like, okay, yes, I know somebody who taught their dog that when she's wearing jeans, he can jump on her. When she's wearing anything else, he can't. Do you know the amount of work? that has to go into that, and then that doesn't prevent the dog from jumping on other people who are wearing jeans. Right. And it probably makes the dog more likely to jump on the people, not only when they're wearing jeans, but when they're not, because mm-hmm. honestly, that's a difficult thing to do. It's yeah. a difficult that, then to transfer that, this is conditional, mm-hmm. to new people. It would be easier to teach the dog not to jump up at all, and then have the dog not jump on people, yeah. than it would be to Te- teach it conditional. Yeah. Right. You teach him not to jump up at all, and then you put, just like any other behavior, you put jumping up on cue. Right. But you start with don't jump up. Right. And then we will teach this as a separate behavior on cue only. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about things that people mistake for consistency that I don't think is, that that I don't think are consistency. I think being consistent is about reliably deciding what behaviors you are and are not going to reinforce and doing that on a regular basis. Okay. And not changing that according to whatever's going on in your life or how busy you are. But here's some things that I've heard people talk about that they think are inconsistent. I, one time I had two dogs. and that they one, think are inconsistent? Yes, that they thought was an inconsistency inconsistent. that okay. I didn't find to be an inconsistency. Okay. At one time, I had two dogs, and one of the dogs was a resource guarder, and one do- dog wasn't. I actually had more than two, but anyway, for the purposes of this podcast, that's how we're going to talk about it. One of the dogs was allowed up on the couch mm-hmm. because he never tried to 
guard it in any way. He mm-hmm. absolutely would let anybody else up. Not even let. I mean, it just wasn't an issue. Right. If I asked him to get down, he'd instantly get down. I mean, there was no issue with that. The other dog, once he got up on the couch, became very guardy and wanted to keep the other dogs off and had, and he wasn't allowed that privilege. Mm-hmm. And so I had more than one person say to me, well, isn't that inconsistent? One dog's allowed up and one dog's not. No. And I said to them, no, it's not inconsistent. Right. What would be inconsistent is sometimes letting the dog up and sometimes not. Right. It's consistent for each dog. That's right. That's right. So you can have a dog, you can have one dog that is allowed to do something and one dog that is not, and that's not being inconsistent. That's you making the choices. Yes. But if you allow your dog to sometimes do something and sometimes not without, as you said, teaching it and then putting it on cue, that becomes inconsistent. Right, because then that leaves the dog guessing. Yes. And that's not fair. Which rules apply right now? I'm not sure which rules apply. So I'm going to try it, and if I get in trouble, then I know that that's not what I was supposed to do. Right. Which only makes you seem really inconsistent and difficult to decipher. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't make, <laughs> being that kind of permissive doesn't help your dog. It's not like your dog thinks, oh, well, she's going to be a good guy right now. <laughs> she's right. going to be really nice about it right now. What your dog thinks is, I just can't trust her. I never know where, which end is right. Oh, she had a bad day at work today. She must not, Yeah. you know, she must not be in a very good mood. I don't know what's happening. I never know what's going to happen. And what you will find is, if you, if I go into a household where I have one, where I have a couple, and one spouse is very consistent with the dog, and the other is very inconsistent and spoils the dog. The dog likes the spoiler, but he follows the consistent one. Mm-hmm. Do you get the same thing? He gravitates yeah. towards the consistent person. Yeah, because they're easier to read. They're trustworthy. Yeah. He understands that. They're, they're not split personality where one, one time it's okay and one time it's not okay. Right. And so I think that sometimes the reason people aren't consistent is because, well, I don't want to do it right now because, well, he wants to and he's had a bad day or whatever the excuse is. And they think they're being soft-hearted. And in reality, they're actually doing their dog a disservice because the dog doesn't know which end is up with them. And if in a situation where you have spouses, when you have a couple, where one is consistent and one is not, you will find that the spoiler is not the one that seems to get the dog's attention most of the time. The one that gets the dog's attention most of the time. And I don't just mean attention like, what you know, I'm going to sit now because you told me to sit, but I mean I'm most interested in what you're doing at this moment is the one who draws the boundaries and who is consistent about it. Because, again, I think that kind of goes back to our leadership thing Mm -hmm. because they are obviously the one that knows what's going on. And the dog is more gravitated towards, it's going to gravitate more towards the one that is more calm and has defined yes, no, black, white, this is what we do. Because I can understand you. Exactly. They're not as confused. They're not walking around in a daze wondering if you're in a good mood or a bad mood. Yeah, in the end, it's because you speak a language I understand. Mm -hmm. You make sense to me. Therefore, I'm more comfortable around you. Yeah, because you always have a line that you've drawn in the sand and you're really clear about it. And it doesn't waver from day to day. I don't have to get up in the morning and think, I wonder where that line is today. Right. And go looking to try to figure out, knowing that I may make a mistake and be in hot water for it. Yeah, which isn't fair. And then you have a dog that walks around on eggshells. Right. 
Consistency should go on for the lifetime of a dog, by the way. It's not something you just pull out for training. Consistency is one of those things that you need to adopt with your dog for his entire lifetime. Does that mean you can never backslide on something? Of course not. We're human beings. We do backslide. But the thing is, the more consistent that you can be throughout your dog's lifetime, the easier lifetime your dog will have. The easier things will feel for him. You know, I have one for consistency. And this, this goes to kind of basic obedience type stuff. You have a dog that's learning to sit and learning to down. And so, and, I, and I've seen this a lot lately, and I've seen a lot over the years. You have somebody who's been working really hard to teach the dog to down. And so the dog is finally getting the down pretty well. And then you say, tell your dog to sit. The dog sits and then goes into a down. Mm-hmm. And they feed the dog anyway. They reward the dog anyway. And they look at me, mm-hmm. and... And I say, well, okay, why did you pay them for that? You told them to sit. But he went into a down, and I've been working so hard on the down. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're ending up blurring the lines between even the basic obedience commands. Yep. yep. Sit means sit. Down means down. It doesn't mean It doesn't mean that it's interchangeable. And if you're like me, and you don't care, because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I don't if I tell my dogs to, like, stay. Stay, yeah. Stay. But... But and if you, you don't say care, sit, though, that's you fine. But you can be consistent in not reinforcing sit versus down. As long as you don't change the rules on the dog, that is consistent. Yeah. If I say sit and I let my dog consistently slide into a down, then it, it hasn't changed my consistency. It's it not, only changes if you get mad at them for going into a down. It only changes when I change the rules. That's right. So okay. if I had a situation where I was allowing a dog to slide from a sit into a down, because it didn't matter to me, and then let's say I went into a competitive sport where suddenly I decided it was important to me that the dog who was told to sit, sit was only going to sit, and the dog that was going to down was only going to down. Then I would tre- teach it as a whole new behavior. Uh-huh. I would teach it with a different word and as a whole new behavior with the meaning clearly defined that when I have told you to settle, right, it's a down and you don't get up into a sit. Right. And when I have told you to whatever word I wanted to use for sit and I'm at a loss right now, that that is what the meaning of that word would be. And so there are ways for you to maintain consistency even in that situation. Right. The thing is, though, that you just have to clearly define what it is that you want. Because it's impossible for you to be consistent if you haven't defined it in your head. And it's the same. Th- it's the same thing for when people say, "Sit down." They say, "Sit down," and the dog does a down. They go into a sit, and then they do a down, and the person gets mad because they're expecting the dog to sit. Right. Well, no, excuse me. You did say down. Right. The dog did exactly what you said to do. If you've taught so, it to down, right? Exactly. So you have to decide, are you going to say sit, or are you going to say sit down, and then choose a different word for down? Right. Uh, the other one for me, I think, that flies in the face of consistency, I don't know how big a deal it is, but it is a, it's a problem for me, so I'm just going to throw it out there because you just threw that one out there. And that is when somebody tells their dog to sit, and the dog sits, and they say, good sit. Oh. Good sit. Thank you. That one drives me crazy. Oh, it drives me nuts. It does not help you at all to repeat the word after the fact. Nor does it help your dog. I can't help but think that dogs are sitting there going, okay, so that second one I need to ignore. Because the first one means something. The first time she says sit, it means I need to sit. And the second time she sits, it means nothing. Yeah. Because it, 
I mean, honestly, it's just bizarre to me. If your dog, if you tell your dog, if you give your dog something to do, if you say stay, and then you say good stay, good stay, yeah. good stay, which one meant something, the first one or the next one or the next one or the next one? So you have to remember that dogs are not about our language. Yeah. So they learn something has a particular meaning. That's why consistency is so important. Right. Because it needs to have that same meaning all the time. Right. And this goes back to the basics of how to put a cue on a behavior, mm-hmm. which is the verbal cue, if you're teaching a verbal cue, you the, the word has to come before the behavior. Mm-hmm. So after they do the behavior and you say the word, it's not going to help them learn it any faster, and it could, in a way, help them unlearn it. Well, it could because you're teaching them it means nothing. Right. And and I've seen this happen with come, too. People call their dogs. The dogs start to run to them. You know, they say, come. The dogs start to come to them, and they continue to say, come, come, <laughs> come. And I have literally seen dogs slow down. because, And they are second-guessing themselves, going, yes. Isn't this what I'm doing? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should be doing something else. Yeah. yeah. So I tell people instead, you say, come. Once the dog is moving, say, good yes. dog. Good boy. Good dog Yay. means keep going. Good, right. do, good is a keep going signal. It means keep doing what you're doing. But I can't tell you how many dogs I've seen actually slow down and even stop when you continue to say, come, because they're confused. Right. Right. Because that, what does that word mean now? Right. What does that word, that there is a lack of consistency there because what does that word mean now if come means turn around and go towards you then when i'm going towards you what does come mean right i don't get it i don't get it you have to use your words consistently too if you've taught a cue a verbal cue you have to use that verbal cue in a consistent manner and using it after the fact or using it once the dog is already performing the act is not consistent right now what does that one mean Okay, I know what the first one meant. What does this one mean? Yeah. And does this mean I'm getting it wrong? Should I be doing something else? Mm-hmm. Are you asking me to be doing something else and I don't get it? So it's something to be thinking about. Anyway, consistency is really important. And the more consistent, I call it clean training. Consistent training is clean training. And that's when you don't muddy it up with a bunch of other things that don't mean anything. Yeah. Or a bunch of experiences that run counter to what you want the experience to be. So try to train clean, which means be consistent. Right. Because one of the things is that, like I said, the common denominator, we do not know what the dog is picking up on. We truly don't know what the dog is learning this particular thing means until we try it out. Here's a quick example. I had a dog that I taught to heal. Mm-hmm. And heal, of course, to us means he walks on the left side. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I'm walking this dog one day, and I'm walking up a hill, so I'm walking backwards, you know, trying to work my quads a little bit. (laughs) So I'm walking uphill backwards, and I tell this dog to heal. I am expecting the dog to walk on my left. Even though I'm walking backwards, I'm expecting the dog to walk on my left. Guess what? He kept insisting on going to my right. Because that's what it looked like from his perspective. Exactly, because from his perspective, heal meant walk with me to his right, Mm -hmm. not walk on my left. It, it wasn't in relation to you. It wasn't it was in relation, relation to, to him. Exactly. He, he related you to him rather right. than relating him to you. Right. Regardless of what direction I'm facing, when I say heal, he is to be with me to his right. That was such a huge eye-opener for me. Right. Really gives you an idea. Yeah, because this was such an excellent dog, an excellent, excellent dog. And when I kept said heal and he kept going to, you know, to the other side of me, no, 
heal. And I kept trying to put him over on the other side, and he's going, I am. I am. And it took a couple minutes for me to go, oh, my God, I'm such an idiot. This needs to be, I need to think this through from the dog's perspective. Exactly, because what I thought I taught him was not what he thought I taught him. Right. Okay, so that sort of gives you an idea of consistency, how to get there, why it's important. And um, plus Laura's cool heel story. Yeah. (laughs) It will stay with me forever. (laughs) It is a good story, actually, and it's something I learned. It has affected my training of all the other dogs because it did. It put it in perspective from the dog's point of view. It really makes you look at these things differently. I agree. Thank you for that. You're welcome. All right, so this is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you very much for joining us today. Bye. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.